Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One hundred one part-time jobs. 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 
All right, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. It's the podcast where I speak to bands and artists about the longevity and their endurance in playing in bands. It's pretty hard. Everything around you is trying to make being in a band harder, especially in the UK. You got to be pretty resilient. You got to wake up pretty early in the morning and you got to get your ducks in a row, which is exactly what John have done. Both called John, duo, excellent, brilliant bands. Yesterday, they shared a new track called Hopper on the Dial, the B-side to the A-side theme, New Bond Junior. That seven inch is coming out on the 17th of February via Brace Yourself Records and the band's own Pet Care Records. Their third album, Nocturnal Maneuvers, came out in 2021, but it still sounds like it's from the future. This band's really lovely and they've done it all and they've based, and they've done it practically all themselves, just as John Newton from the band tells us on this episode. Cheers to 2000 Trees Festival for sponsoring the podcast. Just a couple of hours away from London in Cheltenham, happening in July. They've got a four-day lineup. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Give you the Sunday to travel home and recover. Wednesday night starts on the forest stage, which is in the middle of a forest where Bob Villain and Holding Absence are playing. 100 Reasons, Rival Schools, The Wonder Years, Loathe, Cancer Bats, Crows, I love that band. Sprints, Microwave, Press Club, The Chisel from UK Hardcore, which is so exciting right now. There are so many bands, Spielberg's, St. Agnes, 2000 Trees Festival, completely independent, void of any Tuborg, and it's pretty affordable as, as things go. To make it more affordable, you can use the Voucher 101 pod to get 20 quid straight off your ticket price from 2000treesfestival.co.uk. That's 2000treesfestival.co.uk. 20 quid off for free using the voucher code 101pod. That's a deal. Cheers for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. Here's John Newton from John. Go well. With the way that we operate the band, which I think is genuinely quite unique to a lot of other bands not just you know not in a big-headed way it's just it's just quite different what, what are the main devices what do you think are the main differences between john and other bands in in the way that you operate well i think the thing is is you know kind of starting with a bit more of a chrono- chronological history like we ended up setting a small record label up to release the first record which is called Godspeed in the National Limit. Um, and that was a means to an end because no one was interested really to put it out. You know, you send those emails um, with a kind of link to, you know, the, the tracks and fair enough. Like, you know, it's it's difficult to get investment elsewhere investment. How long did you try that for? How long were you, were you emailing around and calling people? We, not not long. We were, we were keen just to kind of crack on because, mm. you know, we don't, you know, there's horror stories of people sitting on things for too long. And, you know, mentally, again, you want to feel like you're moving with something, you know, tracks become old very quickly. So we weren't in this game of, sitting and waiting too long you know we come from that kind of uh uh you know a diy background you know playing in punk bands so it was like you know we just thought oh let's just get our you know get our feet wet and go for it i think when you're a punk band if the music's fast and loud i feel like the way that you operate is fast and loud as well yeah i just you know i just don't i just don't 
I think mentally you've got to be able to live with what you do and you've got to move forward. You know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's healthy to sit on anything for too long. Um, not to say, you know, we don't think about things. We take a lot of time on things, but yeah. So basically we, we set that up, um, rolled into the second album again, no one really came on board and we knew what we were doing probably more so on the second. So we put it out again on, on pets care records, which is the name of our label. Um, and that kind of gained more traction through, you know, BBC six channels and stuff like that, which, you know, it becomes incredibly satisfying to hear this record label name said by like Steve Lamack. And it's actually, we actually stole the, the, the record label name from a pet shop that was in Crystal Palace where we were based at the time. So the logo and the name is completely stolen from a shop that doesn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, that it, it's all kind of a tiptoe along a path. And I suppose I was managing it from the start and I have continued to manage it um, just, you know, because no one else did. And I guess I've probably done an okay job. <laughs> well, I was just, it, it's quite rare for a, a DIY band, a, a, a punk band. Actually, you know, you're quite a lot louder and sort of, more like hot snakes you know yeah, you, well, you're that. And, and and so and look, I, I suppose you know if you go back there there is some like hot snake stuff that you would have heard on bbc a while ago many years ago but these days you don't hear that much of that kind of sound do you i mean you've done you've done a you've done a really good job self-managing to hear that on six music and to play festivals like green man and those sort of crossover festivals you know, Green Man and End of the Road. That I mean, they're they're such brilliant points for people to discover new music. Yeah, I think that that's you know that's a like an important thing for us was we didn't want to get stuck in a kind of rock doldrum. Do you know what I mean? And I, I've always come from an art side as opposed to a music side, so I always wanted whatever we made to be kind of filled with you know certain ideas. And I know that people like will listen to the music and, you know, often plonk it into certain categories. But, you know, I, I've always wanted there to be a kind of visual energy behind it, um, which kind of comes from my arts background, which kind of came from, I think I mentioned to you prior to this about working for a contemporary artist. Yeah. Um, so you and Johnny met at uni doing art and then later you became an assistant to Ryan Gander. Yeah, so Johnny was studying guitar building, so that was something that was pretty good at the yeah, that's university. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's incredibly technically gifted. On you know he he kind of works setting up um, guitars. You know to this day, he's worked on. I mean, he's probably more interesting than me <laughs> for this podcast because he's worked on Denmark Street for about fifteen years. Right. So he's seen all sorts of stuff come through. And I was studying fine art, so we're quite a good potent matchup because he's he's very good on the musical side, uh, the technical side, and I'm kind of rooted in, you know, of course I know how to play the drums, but uh, you know I I'm kind of rooted in a world of ideas and visual mm -hmm. culture. I mean, jo Johnny loves that as well, but I think you know I I studied it and yeah, I I kind of gained my first job um i suppose my first proper proper job 
post university with uh, with the artist Ryan Gander. Yeah, brilliant. I, I mean that imagery, um, and I'm from a similar punk rock background, and for a long time it was like. Oh, you know, we don't really care. You know, I was just use a photo on the album cover. You know, there was no, I, I was in plenty, you know, every band I've been in has been like, has, has not really wanted, there was a resistance to thinking too much about the art direction. Oh, really? Oh, and that's... I find that really interesting because now I do it completely. You know, when I love a band, the art direction is a, is a huge part of it. It's, it's the feel of it. It's the texture of it. I, I mean, I, I love that side of things and you know it, it's it's funny because obviously I, I talk a lot about not liking theatricality too much so it's a kind of interesting it's an interesting contradiction I suppose because I talk about not wanting the kind of over theatrical traditions of rock and roll you know like uh, that old hat stuff which you know to be fair to a, a lot of bands now, there's still loads of people doing that. And I, I don't, I can never like it or <laughs> people are, uh, uh, you know, I just switch off very quickly. So what, hence do you mean, do you mean people dressing up like a bit of glam? Yeah, I just don't, I don't like that. I think it's, I, I just don't like stuff that uh, smells slightly ingenuine. You know, yeah. because we're all just like pieces of meat at the end of the day. And, <laughs> um, you know, I, I like the idea of the show being, you know, sustained by its energy and by its like viscerality um, without these, you know, superfluous kind of hang ons. And, you know, that's why the name John is really important. Like people think it's a joke. OK, whatever. But it's it's just a little manifesto to say. No, this is just, you know, it's not sensationalist. It doesn't give you too much colour of what the thing is before you've even listened to it. Um, and I think that that's something that I'm very keen on with my kind of visual outlook. But on the flip side of that, I obviously do really love the visual culture attached to bands, but in the right kind of channels without sounding too pompous, but you know, it's just who I am. So everyone's entitled to do whatever they want to do. That's fine, but I'm going to do it in my own way and, you know, trust my, um, you know, what I love, which is, you know, really digging into those kind of uh, attached visual cultures and, you know, and visuals attached to lyricism as well. As a two piece, I mean, there is, there's a sparseness to it. Do you say sparse or sparse? Sparse, you say sparse. sparse yeah. There's a sparseness to it. And, and that works with the visuals. I mean, you must know that. Maybe it's even subconscious because it's such an obvious factor of it. Yeah, people talk a lot about it being kind of pared back and, and, and you know, trimming off the, the kind of fat of stuff. Um, which I guess, you know, I guess there is a, a kind of physical limitation, you know. I mean, I can't imagine you having a bassist. I can't imagine the sound of it. You know, it, it sounds... And, and also, I mean, if you didn't see you live, you wouldn't necessarily think it was a two-piece. No, that is that is the key thing. And um, we worked out quite early on that, obviously, Johnny playing through two amps, but kind of bringing in the bass note um, kind of dynamically, um, that was a really key thing. And then also on the flip side, because I'm a vocal vocalist and a drummer, obviously there's a kind of 
pentameter that I slot my words onto. So the way the words land on the beat are kind of key differentiation of us as a band. That's interesting. I hadn't considered that. Yeah, it's it's almost semi-conscious now because I, I get a lot of people questioning like, oh, how do you do singing and drumming, I guess, um, which is usually kind of prefaced by Phil Collins. So I just get that out of the way. Can you attribute anything? I mean, what do you attribute to the fact that you've been able to prioritise your art over quote regular work and things that you don't necessarily love you know love doing in order to pay rent i've you know naturally over you know the last what like 15 years of working within the arts whether that be with you know ryan um at his studio um or or doing graphic design for other people you know you learn to have to kind of hustle away in different pockets I just think I've got a, you know, I've always just had such a love for creating stuff. Like I can't do anything else. So I find a way of trying to support that. Um, and ideally a way that isn't too, uh, you know, uh, soul killing. So like I have done, you know, some some jobs that, you know, weren't exactly, you know, my favourite thing in the world to to support what we do but you know we're very lucky as well because if you you know we're a two-piece as well so like financially obviously that's you know that that's more lucrative it's just a fact um you know because you you share everything two ways it's still an ongoing battle like and it's a battle that i love you know and we we run things you know we still run things relatively independently although you know we we have more recently started working with Brace Yourself Records who kind of co-released the third album. That was a big, nice step for us, feeling like we had some kind of support there after, you know, literally doing everything ourselves. Um, was was that hard to relinquish some of those duties? Uh, actually, actually, Ivano at, at Brace Yourself was just incredibly he he just liked it for what it was and he i think he really understands that you know there's there's a lot of trust placed in us which is fantastic so that that made me think oh we're in a good place here because he's not asking us to make changes it's interesting because you you must it takes some time to work that out right or or were you quite smart about having a few meetings and basically eyeing each other up um i knew of him before from kind of uh, from friends and it, it's kind of bizarre because this has happened a lot we've always you know it's like our live agent um who's really wonderful I was almost like recommended to work with him about 10 years before we ended up working with him it was kind of funny because everyone presumed we had a live agent and I was just booking everything and then one day uh, a real loyal promoter of ours was just like now, nah, mate, that is enough. Like, <laughs> you, I'm I'm gonna get you on the phone to you know Scully, who's our wonderful agent. That's the kind of best PR you can get, right? Strictly speaking, it's not PR, but the fact that your promoter friend was like, "Look, actually, you know, you need to do this." Bands can be bands for a long time, and they'll have no one doing that yeah no it was, it was really appreciated like after because you know we'd been a band for two albums um before you know a live agent came on board which 
I mean, some people get picked up pretty, pretty fresh. But I did get the feeling like people presumed that we had someone, um, which is flattering again. But uh, but yeah, it was it was good to you know to build a team of trusted people who because when you're alone working on things, um, which is another reason why working with Brace Yourself was really good. Um, you know, just is there's more people to speak to about your your worries or your you know or your thoughts on directions and you can just gain a really um you know a really helpful uh sounding board for where you want to go and that's not to say you're relinquishing uh what you want to do it's just very helpful to have you know a bit of a convener you know asking for advice is a very powerful thing yeah yeah and it's uh, it's really helpful especially when you really trust those people Mm -hmm. and uh, luckily, when they come back and say, you know, they love it, you know, it's a good feeling. <laughs> It'd be a lot worse if they said they hate it. Working with an agent and a, and a and a label and PR company, does that have the effect of, you know, do do you think that you sort of started taking yourself a bit? It's the wrong word, really, but seriously. I think, Peter, sadly, it's the world we live in, isn't it? It's like there's m- like media channels that mediate, you know, what people listen to this is why it's like quite frustrating especially at the moment with certain you know social media platforms and things like that um and that was a big thing especially when we were starting as a band a lot of things were getting booked off numbers uh and to a degree they still are you know and it it can be very hard to compete when those numbers are often you know paid for now I try not to worry about it too much because I, I just want to focus on making the best stuff that I can make. But um, it does make me worry for younger musicians. And, it, you know, it's still a it's still a, a battle with us, you know, because, you know, obviously the situation that we're in at the moment in terms of cost of living stuff and off the back of the pandemic with with live music, you know, it is, you know, I've worked harder this year than I've ever had to. Um, in the band and outside the band yeah just uh, you know across across the board so when you do work with those uh, again kind of legitimized companies and I'm not I'm not saying that in a bad way you know obviously you, you kind of do you do get taken more seriously it's not to say that everyone needs an agent because I didn't we didn't have it for a long time and we did very well you know kind of getting on some really really good stuff but it's just yeah it, it does you know it does it does help you know we've got a really loyal amazing team but at the same time we're not it's not like we're backed by uh, you know hedge funding or anything you know support for 101 part-time jobs is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the waist grooming their products are precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. It's about hygiene here, kids. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you and for you only. It's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the voucher code EARWAX at manscaped.com. That is for the performance package 4.0. They sent me a box, and now I may or may not be starting an MLM. But I opened this box, and I'm not a massive trimmer, cutter, nipper. I'm not really 
usually one of those types of people. But I've been really enjoying it. You know, I don't think it's just for people who go to V-Revs. I also think it might be for people who go to the Shacklewell Arms as well. And that is the bridge that I'm trying to make. Manscapes.com on 101 part-time jobs. This box includes everything you need to take care of your nads. It's the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, which is waterproof. You can drop it in the bath and it's not going to do anything. You've got a weed whacker for your ear and nose trimming, crop preserver ball deodorant, and your crop reviver toner, a pair of boxes, and a travel bag to hold it all. If you're going on tour or if you're going traveling, this is the thing if you have balls and you want to take care of them. Manscaped.com, 20% off and free worldwide shipping to get this whole package for the Performance Package 4.0. Earwax is the code at manscaped.com. Join them and join me trying to make some money for this podcast. Hope you don't mind. Living easy, living free, working the day so I can play my night. I think I'm too much of a megalomaniac. Like <laughs> I, I love being involved in all the processes. Sometimes I worry that I'm getting too involved for, you know, those other people. So I, I try to say sorry a lot, um, <laughs> you know, but we, I, I just see it as a collaboration. I'm always talking to our agent. I'm always talking to our, you know, our, our press people i'm always talking uh to the label because obviously we are co-releasing so i I know that i have a responsibility to get on it you know and i I probably you know yeah i probably annoy them to death but you know there's no there's never because i I care about i understand about wanting to articulate it in the way that i want to articulate it i just wouldn't want to lose i guess the kind of soul of what 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 john is and that's why i do think you know again i'm not saying it in this kind of um, pat myself on the back way, but I just think that's why it runs in quite a unique way. Um, And also that's why I've always tried to speak to younger musicians or younger bands who, you know, who ask about releasing structure and our kind of our self-distribution, which we did on the first and the second of the albums, like every single one of those albums I put together. Wow. Yeah. Wow. yeah individually yeah brilliant i mean these are the kinds of things you'd hear bands talk about in magazines that don't exist anymore where do younger people find out they find out through conversations and that's why it is important and that's why it's like is really you know i found it luckily quite easy to do because i got some contacts so i guess it, it kind of started when we were, you know, just deciding to release that first album. But we had just released a little seven inch with Two Pure Singles Club, um, which is was was run by a, a guy called Paul Riddlesworth, who I think he has a record label called Dipped in Gold Recordings now, based in Manchester. And Paul really kindly just kind of spoke to me and said, "Oh, you know, if you want to distribute stuff, just." 
I'll send you a list of record stores and you just put together a bit of a list, you know, with information and, and selling information. And I just sent it to loads of shops and people started buying Brilliant. them. Brilliant. So, so it was kind of, again, it's just like a tiptoe down the line. And over the years, I've kind of, yeah, helped people to, to work out a kind of similar thing and help them to understand about how you go about kind of running the whole thing. If you join the dots there, you get in contact with a, a shop in Manchester and then you speak to them when you're, when you're touring and try and get a gig in Manchester. This is the, this is the key thing, which I think a lot of people don't realise is like these shops are fantastically brilliant. They're brilliant people and they're brilliant at marketing as well. So, you know, if they like what you're doing in an honest sense, you know, they really get behind it. And it's mm. such a, you know, they're the tastemakers, you know, for a lot of people. So it's been amazing to be able to walk into those shops, you know, across the country and, and feel like you've got a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of family in each place who, you know, who have your back. So that, I started to realise that was a really good tool for the way that we could kind of grow the band um, without, you know, huge um investment or huge marketing campaigns or yeah you know or billboards or whatever so you know those shops have been really amazing to us and you know we're lucky enough to call a lot of those people friends of the band now so yeah sort of like was... the missing key isn't it it's it's like um it's like the missing the missing element for for a lot of bands now who might have great songs and they're reaching a few people and maybe they're touring but there's but there's something quite not matching up with, you know, physical people or records. Yeah, I think we're almost the opposite, like, which is funny because, I mean, for a band like us to get, you know, we got 78 in the UK charts, so the proper charts last time round. I mean, that's brilliant. Um, 78. Yeah, no, for a band like us, like that is, that was a massive surprise. Obviously, it wasn't the, wasn't necessarily a goal of the album um, and it was you know really great because you know it's an indicator of lots of people liking the project um, but you know on the social media side you know it's probably not as impressive you know but we know that there is a physical demand out there for what we do so that's really reassuring and that's why I say about I just worry about those kind of uh, mediators and gatekeepers um, especially with social media platforms. I have to be very careful with it, you know, because it is a big part of how we have to operate. This is another kind of discussion that I have is obviously there are some lucky bands who have been able to steer clear of social media to grow a fan base, usually because of a certain backing or label who already have some kind of marketing power. Um, and again, it's difficult because I'd love to be able to do that. I think everyone would love to be able to do that. But there's a reality that obviously we need to reach the people who care about us. And um, there's certain ways of doing that. Obviously, Bandcamp has been fantastic for us. Um, and hats off to uh, Bandcamp for kind of sticking their necks out with the Artist Fridays when no one else would. Going back a bit. When you started, when you'd finished studying art and, and you started working um, for the artist Ryan Gander, were there any partic particular moments or, 
or weeks working that job that you really learn a lesson of of what it means to be an artist i mean every week was just you know it, it was like a i mean for people who aren't familiar with ryan's work he he kind of his work is typified by uh, not necessarily having one medium so the the uh the message is in the medium um so like you would have an idea and that idea kind of forms how it falls into the world um and obviously that in itself is a great um like learning point because you realize that you shouldn't just like rely on you know one form it's like when you have an idea you know it 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 can be articulated in many ways and you you want to communicate it in the best way possible um so there's like the idea and then there's the form and yeah the idea doesn't need to be a form that or yeah, the soul. And yeah and you're kind of like juggling between you know working out what the puzzle pieces are to, to to kind of make a communication with with a viewer what was sort of the most uh inspired piece there was an amazing work that i think should have been nominated for the turner prize but wasn't and this is back when the turner prize because the turner prize is without speaking ill of it it's um become slightly more an establishing prize it, it used to be very very high profile artists and now it, it's kind of more of like an establishing um yeah, prize, which is actually a platform. Yeah, which which is good because obviously people who aren't established need the money more to develop their careers. Um, but but Ryan made a project with Art Angel, which are a, a a body I think based in London who make very um, like it's experiential. Is that a word? I don't yeah, know. It is like, now. Yeah, like involved artworks where you kind of you physically go somewhere and you experience you know the artwork so i'm just googling it now is it like you're going into someone's well some of the photos almost looks like an apartment but a very bare white walls yeah basically ryan's like ryan had for for many years had, had made works by fictional artists so he decided to make this um semi like semi closed exhibition so the exhibition had just finished and you could kind of walk through this old warehouse building and only get glimpses of the kind of semi deinstalled artworks it was called locked room scenario so it was like a it's like an intellectual haunted house basically certain things could happen to you so there were like actors employed and certain things you know might occur you know, you might get a text message while you were going there, which said, go to the pub and ask for Spencer. Or, you know, uh, you know, a stranger might come up to you and give you a book page with a word circled. Or, you know, two people might be kissing in the corner, two teenagers, you know. And you, you kind of don't know what the lines of uh, the real and the, the fictional are. I like the sound of that. Yeah, it was it was a brilliant show. It was kind of a shame because obviously because I knew the nuts and bolts of it. Like I went to it, but I couldn't. I, I was I was behind the curtain, so to speak. So like I knew all the secrets, but 
But um, what were you working on? What were you assisting with on that? So I, I, because I was a production assistant, I was kind of making a lot of the objects that needed to kind of, uh, you know, yeah, needed to be in the space. And I didn't really do much of the physical build, but um, I did a lot of the photography. Um, so I was documenting a lot of the the build up and a lot of the yeah just the general ephemera of the show and that was one of the things that I was quite good at is is looking after all the archive footage so I kind of got that tacked onto my job as well <laughs> I mean you can see how the soul and the form has has translated into into band stuff the light box the John light box yeah is a is a really nice touch because it is quite symbolic yeah i again there are these theatrical elements that kind of blur against the real the font is quite old bbc yeah and i i like that i i like that kind of like a non-aesthetic is still an aesthetic you know it's still a decision so there's still decisions made to to not dress up in ridiculous hilarious bright clothing is still a decision i've read a lot of stuff about kind of Brechtian theory and, and and how that affects stuff in theatre. So what's Brechtian theory? So he had certain rules for theatre. So you weren't allowed certain, you know, there were constraints on certain, um, I think it was like, you're not allowed. Oh, I mean, you'd have to, you'd have he to. Believes go, the, the stage should be brightly lit at all times. Yeah. So there's nothing, basically the idea was there was nothing you, you there was nothing to kind of like uh distract the audience they they had to be pulled into activity right which is something that i'm a kind of believer of so simul- simultaneously why i love the film director michael hanneker as well because he's someone who always tries to activate an audience into genuine um thought about their position in the world i guess some of those things not concretely applied to john um uh, but i guess that's you know that's that's my background and that's why i i find sometimes the kind of the 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 trite aesthetics and repetitions of a band's form becomes quite tiring to me well that's be- that's beautiful i think that you can have ideas like that that are kind of like orbiting orbiting your world no 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 it's just something that i've come to live by so whenever i make anything it's always got that um yeah that sense of thought the one thing i want to say is just like i I suppose we're just both pretty proud um within you know kind of limited setup the way that we still feel like we can push forward so there will be lots of really you know lovely things which we're very very proud of um and we still feel like we're moving as a band um again in a kind of unique sense i think we we kind of missed out on a lot of that kind of young uh showcase opportunity windows that that certain bands get these days so um yeah it's kind of an odd position to be in because some people are very new to this band but also we've been going a decade so it's yeah we sit in this kind of odd uh middle ground but I'm still excited by it and every musician says it, but we're, we're writing the best stuff that we have now. So brilliant. Brilliant. Do you know, Hey Colossus? 
I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen them quite a few times and, you know, very inspiring, you know, yeah. the, I love those bands who are just, you know, super persistent, you know, Part and, chimp. yeah, they're good friends. Johnny does uh, their guitars quite a lot. A band like Hey Colossus is, you know, they they've been going as long as I've been alive. Yeah, it's it's quite it's quite funny, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, it's really remarkable. It gives me a lot of excitement knowing that it's not all about the first few years of being in a band. It's not about those showcase moments. It's not about first impressions that so many groups are put under pressure by. No, absolutely. You know, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the breakout bands uh you know of the day for example a band like biffy clyro i would have never banked on seeing that you know i remember being at oxford zodiac when i was a kid like seeing them play on the infinity land tour and i would i would have they would have been the last band i would have picked out you know to to end up where they are so yeah it's funny because you look at a band like that but you don't see maybe the you know the 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 iceberg under the water you know um you don't see that 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 probably that 10 years of of graft on the on the toilet scene so to speak sick of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Because I went back to study uh, at the Royal College of Art. So I went back as an older head after working with Ryan. And I I needed a kind of student job. So I went in uh, to be a kitchen porter at a cafe in um, Crystal Palace. And they like asked me for a CV. And I was like, no, I don't have a CV. Luckily, I had accidentally walked into a spot where one of the, the main bosses was was very into um you know musical subculture and festival subculture so she was incredibly supportive so i got a bit lucky there someone broke their shoulder and i ended up becoming like a, a second chef uh which you know very basic i'm very basic stuff like I, i'm not bad i'm i'm pretty okay with cooking i enjoy doing it we do it a lot at home but I, I kind of became this, uh, yeah, an accidental chef. <laughs> and it got very busy. And sometimes it was very stressy in like a kitchen that was probably about three metres by two metres with maybe four people in it. So it's like, yeah, pretty savage. You know. it, it's a tough job to do. It gives you a, it gives you a, a different perspective on, on that kind of hospitality industry and it's not a surprise that there's big mental health problems shout out to my black dog because we're ambassadors for 
a mental health charity. So I'll shove that in there. Brilliant. Wonderful initiative, online, um, kind of free online chat service. So um, yeah. I didn't I'll know that. Pop that in there. Um, but yeah, it's not a surprise that that's a big problem in in catering industries because it's an incredibly stressful job. So you took it on honourably, the job, and you were you were making some pretty expensive plates. Oh well, not not yeah, not quite. But it was low paid enough for me to be able to bugger off to festivals, so and, and not feel bad. That, that yeah, so that kind of helped out. Um, and then eventually. Uh, yeah, that kind of winded down. So that was one. And that, actually, there's a song that we wrote called Laszlo, which is about uh, a chap called Laszlo who was Hungarian, who just had loads of amazing stories. And he would be like, oh, what story do you want? Do you want, like, violence, love, or, uh, you know, or... Wow, he's well prepped. Yeah, and you could like request a story. So like I, I wrote a song, uh, well, we wrote a song called Laszlo. So it, it has a bit of a flavour of of being like in that moment and understanding, you know, this, this kind of stranger who you kind of know, but don't know, you know, that kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, there's a kind of nice uh, message in that, I think, where you like everyone's got their own stories, like tinkering around in our heads you know yeah absolutely absolutely and you worked at a gardening center when you were late teens. yeah my 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 first ever job was at a garden center which was pretty good education I think my, my parents were really good to kind of get me going in the world of work nice and young and I just remember having to lift and push like metal trolleys constantly and I think even the you know the band the Wurzels yeah. I think they came and did a show. Um, <laughs> so you were Southwest, Cot- were you? Uh, yeah, like in uh, kind of in the Cotswolds. Yeah, my parents yeah. are from the north, but I grew up down south. So Wurzels is uh, Southwest is Wurzels land, isn't it? Yeah. So they came and their their backstage area was like by the compactor where I put all the you know the boxes and the the, the leaves and stuff in, which was. You know, a proud moment was showing the Wurzels into the back compound. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I did work as a commercial artist um, with a gallery for, for, for a while. But I think I, it was, it's very difficult to juggle art and commerce in general. You know, you have, to have a, you have to have a way of kind of treating it in your mind. And I think um, gladly, I think music is very beautiful in the fact that it's kind of this, I love the idea of getting paid for this autonomous thing that kind of flows out of your muscle memory. Like it's such a beautiful thing. Like that's, it's just bizarre. Mm. So the fact that you turn up with these tools and can decant it out in any space at any time, I just think that that's one of the most beautiful things in the world, you know, whereas obviously art, you know, you're actually making a physical artwork. So there's a thing that is stored or sold. I know that some people sell films or, you know, performances um, as well, you know, within art. So it's not unique to the object. But I think um, that's what I like a lot about playing live. You know, You, you kind of you're getting paid for an experience. John, thanks so much. I feel like we should um, 
oh, we should do another one. You know, it's, it's the more you do it, the more there is to talk about and the more interesting angle or stories, you know, thought processes and thought directions. It, yeah. It's, yeah, it's I really like I like to think, you know, I like to think, I mean, when people try, you try and describe your band for someone, it's like, I know it, you know, it sits in that rock category. It's always going to be loud, you know, energetic kind of mm. punk, rock, music, whatever you want. Um, and it does wander away in certain, you know, in certain directions. But I, I do like to think there is that, you know, there is a, a, a thread of thought coming through um, in terms of, you know, storytelling or, or narrative or, you know, some of the things that we discussed. So, you know, Definitely. hopefully people get that. If they just want to, like, bob their heads to it, that's fine too. John, thank you so much. Great stuff. Take care. Cheers. So there was one of the two Johns of John. John's new track, Hopper on the Dial, from the new 7-inch, is out now. You can pre-order that on their Bandcamp, johntimes2.bandcamp.com. Looking forward to it. Cheers for listening again. 101 part-time jobs for life. See you next week with a new episode. Cheers. Here's Cox Barra. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side Running around like a blue-ass fly I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate Every blink me, I've been on the go Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Mm-hmm.